welcome to this week's Engage Podcast. I'm Simon. And I'm Jamie. And this week we're doing the impact of Star Trek The Next Generation with the spoilers guys um, who do First Contact, the Infocast, is that right guys? The Introcast, yeah. I think I think we all kind of regret putting that tag on it now, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> Which is a review show for the Next Gen, kind of... Well, as I like to think it is a kind of mixture between Mission Log, um, like Trekmate and kind of us, kind of odd mixture of things thrown together, but it's a fantastic mixture well worth a listen to. Um, would you guys like to introduce yourselves better than I, I just did? Sure. I'm Andrew, and I'm host of First Contact, a podcast all about Star Trek Next Generation. We review it episode by episode. We started in April of 2012, and we are about to reach the end of season three this year. Um, It has been the three of us since the very start, and I'm sure the other guys are happy to introduce themselves, aren't you? Um, Yeah, I'm James, and... As Andrew said, I've been on it since the start. We've been podcasting together for even sooner than that. We were doing Red Dwarf podcasts um, for series 10 of Red Dwarf. So it was, well, that was, that was a long time ago. That Actually, that was five years. But we, we did that b- before we did. Yeah, I think There's it was contact. about so. So that would have been six months October. before, I think. Yeah, that would have been October two thousand twelve. Yeah. And I'm Alex. I'm twenty eight. I'm an Aries, and I'm looking for love. Um, oh, sorry, sorry, wrong video. Um, yes. Um, I I I started up the the Red Dwarf website, uh, which these two guys came on to help me with, and then out of that grew this podcast. Well, not this podcast, but the Star Trek podcast. A vehicle for us to do some knob gags, basically. <laughs> yeah, me and Alex did the first episode of the Red Wolf Garbage podcast, and we realised that two people was not enough to hold a podcast. I think I think we always intended to have Andrew, but we didn't know if it was going to work, so we thought we'll limit the damage by just having the two of us, first of all. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, it was quite strange, because we didn't actually know each other at all. Um, it was just Alex had started the website, and and I was quite keen to write about Red Dwarf as well. And, you know, I, I, I volunteered. I think I was the last one on board anyway. But I think we, we found a, a very nice chemistry. It all came together like destiny. Yeah, it's quite interesting because um, when but before we went live and back in the very early days when we we started, it was just me and Simon. Um, it wasn't until was it a year later or so when Phil sort of kind of came around and um, you know we invited. I think you invited him, didn't you, Si? Yeah, actually. And it, it um, up- yeah, and you know, and we just gone. It, I was just going to say it put us in the weird position that the first time I met Andrew was at my wedding. Which, which isn't the normal way of things. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Interesting. But you know, it's it's. I, I think, as you guys said, I think I think having 
two people. It's, it can work. It's good. I mean, we, we, we've done a few times, we've done episodes with just the two of us when someone else say on holiday or etc. And it's fine. But I think with three people, I think it's just, it's, it's more of a chemistry there. And mm. I think it just works so much better. It's, it's like, we, you... oh, on you go, James. Sorry. We've done three podcasts with two of us, which was the first one with me and Alex. There was another Red Dwarf one where we'd arranged to record, but Andrew had forgotten. <laughs> so we ended up we ended up recording a podcast over a DVD extra. And there was the Star Trek Into Darkness podcast, which I wasn't on because I oh, still haven't seen that film. There's four. There's the Star Trek Beyond podcast as well. Oh, I, I missed that entirely. <laughs> oh, you, you still haven't seen Into Darkness? No, I have no interest. I, di- I didn't like Star Trek Eleven, so I. Fair enough. I, I I'm happy with the proper Star Trek. And and you know, talking of threesomes, what could be better? You know, Kirk and Spock work well together, but when you put in McCoy, you have that proper triumvirate. You know, you've got the the three voices there that that all bring a different aspect to it, and I I think that's something very special. Two is good, but but three is even better. I like Scotty the best. <laughs> three heads are better than two. Each is more crazy than the last. Yeah, <laughs> we can certainly testify to that. I think. <laughs> yes. Tell Phil's not here, and if you listen to the last episode, you may have an idea why. And um, let's just say he's got his hands full at the moment, so. Will he feel to update when he wants to and when he's able to come back? So that's what's going on. I plan that bed in my head. I really did plan <laughs> that bed in my head, but hey, that, you get the gist. Yeah. yeah. So Phil will be that's back, fine. just not yet. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> don't know. don't, we generally don't know when he'll be back, but he'll be back soon. I don't know that for sure. He'll be back. Just don't know why. Hmm. But hey, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but it's tonight, and we're talking next gen because it's the next gen 30th anniversary year. And obviously, we've got Discovery coming up, which kind of screwed my, my plans because this episode was meant to come out about the time that our next episode is going to come out. So I had to get on to these guys and go, Do you mind doing it sooner? Because they've kind of screwed up my plans a bit. And they quite happily went, sure, we'll do it, although it's not. Because it's a bit earlier than I wanted, but hey, it's, it's still 30th anniversary year. So we're talking impact of next gen, because I thought that was a good way of celebrating it, I thought, instead of doing the topic where you let's break it, which we'll probably we'll do, we'll do at some point. We already have before we got <laughs> recording, but <laughs> I'm sure there's a bit of room for that, but... I think Next Gen actually had a pretty good impact on Star Trek and life overall, I think. from Yeah, I mean, if you if you think of, like, you know, just uh, on a simplistic level, you look at um, Deep Space Nine and Voyager and, and Next Gen had an impact in terms of the characters and the stories, you know, because obviously Next Gen set up the marquee, it set up... Um, God, I'm trying to think of what else. It's oh, the Ferengi as well, which was wonderfully expanded in Deep Space Nine. But as you say, without Next Gen, you wouldn't have had what part of what Deep Space Nine and Voyager went on to. 
So, you know, well, the, the Maquis were, were set up in Deep Space Nine, but then they appeared in Next Generation. Oh, beg your pardon. Beg your pardon. <laughs> I just suddenly realised my, my error there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the so Cardassians, the Cardassians were set yeah. up, as well as the Trill. Mm. I think that's uh, the problem with, with the shows, because they all kind of kind of all overlap each other. It's trying, it's, in my head, it's, trying, it's difficult trying to situate what when in terms of uh, a timeline and stuff it just messes with my head <laughs> well, indirectly as well Bejor was set up in the next generation and so much of the stuff that came from Ensign Rowe went on to influence Deep Space Nine and that character you know Deep Space Nine was originally built around yes. so it all really comes from the same place and, and that place is essentially Michael Pillar's head but so much of that um, the whole Deep Space Nine, TNG, Voyager, Shared Universe, it, it all comes from that sort of season five of Next Generation where they were starting to build out the, the Cardassian and Bajoran stuff. Mm. Yeah, it's just, just, you know, it's just a fact that, I mean, I said, you know, because, I mean, Deep Space Nine is my favourite Trek series currently. It's kind of it's fluctuated a couple of times. But as I said, Next Gen... I said has has had a lot of impact on it on both of them, and it's not until kind of recently that I kind of realised it. It's kind of well, actually, yeah, Ferengi are great in this sense, but I said next gen set them up. Without next gen, you wouldn't have that in Deep Space Nine. So, well, the Ferengi for the most part were terrible in Next Generation. Oh, they agreed. they salvaged agreed. them in Deep Space Nine. Mm. They were set up to be the the big bad villain of Next Generation, and that. Failed spectacularly. They were, they thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, they reintroduced the Romulans yeah. and introduced the Borg. Mm. As villains, the, the Ferengi were pathetic, unfortunately. But as you say, in Deep Space Nine, they they moulded them, and you know they they found their they found their feet with them, which is good. So you could also say that I think they managed to create like a model of the pop culture we we get later on. So they like the reboot. Kind of way because I did it from the original series and it's kind of completely rebooted Star Trek. I think I think it's probably more successful in many ways in doing that than than the current series. The current series um, quite often tends to limit itself in some ways in a way that the soft reboot. Well, I mean the new one is a soft reboot, but Next Gen is an even softer reboot. Um, <coughs> It, it, it just allows for much more. And in fact, actually, a, a lot of the promotional materials or, or merchandise and stuff always does still seem to lean quite heavily towards next gen. I would say, obviously, the original series is, is the big one. But mm. I mean, even like last year, at uh, the end of last year, about, about this time last year, I went to New York and at the um, uh, the where they've got the by the, the dock they've got the the intrepid i think it is the, the spaceship and they have a, a star trek exhibition there i think it's it's closed now but they had stuff from the whole history of the show but their big centerpiece thing was that they had a replica of the bridge from tng now you could have had anything and i know there's one in this country that's a replica of the original series but to go to the tng one specifically when obviously if you were say going to a doctor who thing it's far more likely you'd get an up-to-date 
TARDIS console or something like that to try and make it the most relevant to what's on screen currently. I, I find it interesting that they're going back, well, especially when the series isn't playing on on the nostalgia of going back to that. It's it's purely just the interest of it that's continuing. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think um, that's the thing about Star Trek, you know, whatever series you look at, particularly next gen, it's, you know, you, you think it seems very much of its time. But as you said, it has, you know, I mean, just for example, we were doing um, a season three, we did our season three review recently. And the episode, um, oh, what was it, site? Uh, Tin, Tin Man, is it? Yeah, and and the main character in that the what was his Sam name? Ingram. Yeah, and you know that, that that episode touches quite a bit on like like sort of like mental health issues, and you know that's been a big thing in the news recently. And it's just how amazing kind of like, the messages that Star Trek, on particularly Next Gen, has given out is just still really relevant today. It, it's timeless. I think, and I think that's why you know star trek and particularly next gen has has such had such an impact on our culture because the messages in there they're they're, they're timeless I, I think that that is very relevant and it is very important because i i don't think they quite got that early on in season three they certainly found their feet mm. in terms of putting messaging into star trek making star trek allegorical which was something i know brian fuller was very keen to do on discovery and we'll see how much of that actually survived or if it's more a sort of straight action show and i mean we were just not so long ago we were talking about uh, the offspring and lal and that's about choosing gender identity not explicitly but there's certainly a message in there so there's mm. there's a lot of that that can can certainly carry forward and you can read into it and that's that's what why we love science fiction because we can read about today in these stories messages that weren't even necessarily meant to be there i I think there's a depth here and there's certainly a depth in in the very constructed next generation episodes and and that makes them more than just an 80s science fiction show that makes them resonate throughout the ages and and it means people will find new meanings and keep coming back to them again and again and i think that's what makes star trek so special in many ways and just what you were saying there um about it being influential but you've got to remember all we had was you know the original series and and by this time we'd had four movies the animated series but can you have star trek without captain kirk can you have star trek without spock that's that's the question and they proved yeah you can you you can you can make more than one show And then it grows into this shared universe, this multi-show franchise, which uh, at its peak, you had the next generation movies and you had two shows on TV. Uh, And that peak faded very quickly, but we wouldn't have Discovery now. We wouldn't have rebooted movies if it wasn't for the next generation. It's so important in keeping Star Trek alive. Uh, And you've got to remember that it was still Gene Roddenberry that was writing it. It was David Gerald and DC Fontana that wrote their Bible. So it's the same people coming together 20 years later at this inception, borrowing from themselves in some ways. You know, there's a lot of the motion picture in the next generation. The template was clearly set there. And because of them, th- that means we still have Star Trek today. And that's amazing. And I'm apprehensive about the future of Star Trek because actually you can trace a direct line from the next generation right through to Enterprise. A lot of the same people, Rick Berman, 
oversaw all of that. Now this is essentially the the third generation of TV Star Trek, and it doesn't really have that continuation. Now we've got Joe Minoski coming on board, who is written for the next generation, and we've got Nicholas Mayer from the movies, obviously, but it is very much a a fresh crop. It is it's separate and it's new, and in some ways that's exciting. Um, but I think we've got to appreciate that huge, hugely successful era of Star Trek, which ran for for that long, is all down to TNG. Oh, completely agree. We recently recorded the episode Sarek, did a podcast for that, and that holds off referencing the original series. Obviously, it has a character from the original series, but they don't explicitly reference the original series until the very end. They mention Spock once. And that's really where Next Generation is so much better than all of the reboots we have today. They slavishly, these days, want to reference the past. And, you know, I I watched South Park Season 20 the other day, and the whole season is about how things like Star Wars Episode 7 is just remembering things from the past and absolutely nothing new and really with a lot of reboots and it's a worry i have with discovery and it's one of the main reasons i don't like star trek um the reboot it's just referencing things from the past and adding on a generic action film and i'm worried about discovery that it it looks very generic and it's just going to reference the past with all the sarek stuff and you know it's got Spock's stepsister somehow whereas with Next Generation they had bones in the first episode but you couldn't even recognise them mm. and and the second episode was a bit was a, a continuation of, of an original series story about them all getting drunk on a disease but really they they stayed away from the original series for the most part mm. and and kind of made their own path which is something that a lot of reboots are afraid to do these days yeah it's why i think a lot of reboots fail i think it's quite interesting to say that because i think um you know with these reboots like say you know um, say the kelvin timeline for example it's good having that nostalgia but i think you need to find a balance between kind of nostalgia but also creating something new within it within itself so you've got a kind of you've got a kind of balance and I think obviously one of the advances you have with say with next gen was at the time all you had literally said was the original series and you know was it four or five movies so next gen was still Star Trek was still new seen new then so next gen was able to I've said effectively come up with its own identity whereas as you say the other ones in a way yes they kind of did but as you say there was a lot of kind of referencing the past as you as you just said so yeah that's so quite an interesting point it's something i actually didn't consider before i mean enterprise kind of enterprise and i will admit it and you know i i get strange looks when i say this enterprise is my favorite star trek series but the first season where it goes wrong is it's making prequels to all you know original series and next generation episodes where it becomes really good is where it plans its own path in season three and you know introduces it, it its own kind of story arc and mm. and starts to delve more into its own characters and 
and then season four, it, even though it is going back to kind of original series style stories, it's telling them in a very original way. And, you know, the finale of Enterprise, the two-part finale, I should say, um, not the, the actual 45-minute finale, the, the two-parter where they're fighting xenophobic humans, mm. it, it's, it's an incredibly original idea, and, and that's and that, that's an allegory for, for today. And, and that's, I think, Discovery, I don't think it'll be able to do that. I don't think it'll be able to do what Next Generation did and what Enterprise eventually did and what Deep Space Nine did, Voyager to a much lesser extent did. It, it won't be able to apply its own path. It'll just be, it's too close to the original series. I think that, that when I found out it was a prequel, I, I was a bit unsure. And when I found out it was only set 10 years before the original series, that was when I really started to get worried. Because mm, it's as you say, it's kind of re, you feel like they're retreading old ground a little bit too much, maybe. And it's kind of as you say, even with say Voyager. I mean, I, I do like Voyager. I think Voyager's a great series, but as, they wanted to make it like the original series, and that was their mistake. It was kind of, you know, oh, another. He said, whereas he said Next Gen had effectively carved its own identity, and I think that's why Next Gen is has had such an impact because as I said it did have its own identity and yes the other series did in its own way but as you say i think to to to, to, to a lesser extent i think and, and i think it is very much a television show which may sound like a very strange thing to say i think these characters work well on television and i think there's plenty to explore there i don't think they ever managed to quite pull off the next generation in the movies and you know first contact is a very good film but I'm not sure it ever captured the spirit of the next generation effectively. I don't think you really had that intellectual element um, in the film. And I think and you that, can probably argue that Insurrection probably captures that better, really. It, it does capture it better, but I would say that there's better individual episodes th- yeah. than, than Insurrection. And when you're doing a film of a TV show, and it's always a challenge, it's always difficult to translate anything. Mm. to to the big screen you you want to make it better you want to say there is a reason this is a film there is a reason this story is being told on the big screen and i don't think that cast or that setup were were particularly suited to to a two-hour movie you you can argue you know the the episodes are, are sometimes quite like movies that the finale all good things everyone says is is better than generations and it was written at the same time in about a couple of weeks whereas generations was written over the course of a year but you couldn't do that on the big screen i don't think and it's it's a shame they never really managed to capture that but i think as a tv show and just going beyond star trek as a tv show its form of storytelling would be so influential from when star trek the next generation started Back then, um, in 1987, there was always a TV show on with a spaceship right up until uh, Stargate Universe finished. And then we had a little bit of a gap. They're coming back in vogue now. But that, that's how influential it was. You have all these shows like Stargate SG-1 or Andromeda, which is obviously directly influenced. Even stuff like Lex, which is very strange. Farscape 
they're only there that whole era of 90s to early 2000s pop culture only exists because of star trek the next generation without it on the pop culture landscape i think we'd be looking at a very different kind of geek culture now star trek the next generation basically informed every bit of genre television at, at that point other than maybe you get the, the other side of it which is twin peaks leading to the x-files and that kind of thing but there were a lot of space tv shows on and, and i really miss that sort of era where where we had that and maybe if discovery is a big success we'll get to see a bit more of that and very likely some of the stuff that we love from our childhood getting revived <laughs> actually to, to go off topic a second there that's one thing that i would worry about with the discovery is that yeah you've had twin peaks come back recently but twin peaks when it's come back has sort of come back with the, the vibe of uh well hey all these other shows took this from our show so you might think we're going to do the same again, but instead we're going to do something just as weird as what we did before, but weird for today's television audience and not for what it would have been back then. And you've ended up with just 18 of the most insane hours of television that's ever been on. Um, I don't know that I can expect the same upping of scales with discovery. Really. It seems too beholden to the film series. I don't know. I think that would be my concern. I think what they've tried to do with Discovery is they're trying to cater and trying to please all all, all Star Trek fandom, like all the different ones, which I think is quite it's quite ambitious, quite difficult to do. I mean, whether whether they'll actually achieve that, I said we'll have to wait and see. But I mean, I appreciate that they're trying. I really do appreciate their effort at that. I do commend them for that, definitely. Well, they're optimistic. It's already got two seasons. Yeah, they've got a second. Good lord. Well, the the, the thing is, CBS were so reluctant to put this on on network, and a lot lot of channels were vying for it. So they they didn't want to to put it on that channel. They didn't want to put it on Showtime, wanted to stream it. And essentially, because of the international sales of Netflix, it sold itself. Now, Next Generation also was not a network TV show. It was put into first-run syndication which was reasonably unusual. There are a few shows that actually did it, and there was stuff like um, Baywatch was sold into first-run syndication, so it meant every single small affiliate channel could sort of show it when they wanted. But the ratings for The Next Generation are unbelievable. You you wouldn't really appreciate it. I think more than 20, 20 million people watched... Um, they remain the, consistent. The, the best really of both consistent. worlds. Oh, really consistent. Nielsen ratings above a ten. Now you get Nielsen ratings today in America. You know, if you if you get to a five, that's absolutely amazing and almost unheard of. When the shows like Empire were, were getting that quite recently, but you know, a two or a three is now solid. Whereas going back twenty years, that's cancellation territory. So we're in a very different landscape, and we'll never really know the ratings of, of Discovery. We'll never get get to find that out because cbs aren't going to tell us and netflix certainly aren't going to tell us but it's a very expensive show it's got very expensive sets which is why basically brian fuller's vision of an anthology series isn't going to be a runner just because basically if you're going to go to different eras you have to do completely different production design so i'm imagining it just to pay for itself it will be running for about five years now i don't know what the plan is certainly 
Next Generation has survived because of syndication. Now, they, they did the lovely high-definition um, remastering of, of The Next Generation recently to put it out on Blu-ray and to ensure it would stay in syndication. It still shows on uh, BBC America in the States. It's on here or on CBS Action. Certainly, it was on the, the Sci-Fi Channel and it was on Sky One and BBC Two forever here. So internationally it's very important to sell Star Trek shows and, and keep them alive forever. Something which they've not really managed to do with Deep Space Nine, Voyager and Enterprise. But I, I would imagine there's still a plan as well to keep these shows alive beyond Netflix, beyond streaming, to eventually just go into that syndication package and keep them running on shows late at night just because that's what Star Trek does. People come to Star Trek at different periods. Yeah. Um, they will watch them. And it's actually quite interesting because I said, uh, I've been, when we were doing our season, season preview, I said, I watched it on Netflix in, in HD. And it was said really nice. You can really see the difference. And I think, again, that's one of the other things as well. It's kind of, again, that's another thing that kind of keeps it in that popular culture. Just thing, just a simple thing like that, as you say. I think it would be, it was really necessary to upgrade Next Generation. Season 1 and 2 looked absolutely wretched on VHS and DVD. I mean, Alex, I don't think we've actually explained, Alex has only seen up until the 23rd episode of Season 3 of Next Generation <laughs> because it, it, it's an intro cast, so he hasn't seen every episode after that, and he's only seen it in HD, I believe. So he's only experienced the the good looking next generation, the pristine picture, and not oh. the the terrible picture we <laughs> suffered for so many years. <laughs> like yeah, he's like, old friend Phil in the same boat because he's only got yeah. about season three as well. So we've got a team member in the same part as well. So wait until you get to season four, Alex. Is I mean for me next gen for me my favourite two was four and six. Oh my god, absolutely amazing seasons. I, I literally, I think out of 26 episodes, I think there's maybe three or four which I didn't think much of. All the rest of them were either great or amazing. So, Well, I mean, we're sort of, because of the nature of what we do, sometimes the most fun we have can be um, with terrible episodes. Mm. Um, I mean, one of my favourite ones that we've recorded was for... Oh God! Which one was it? You'll re- you'll remember. I I certainly won't. But it, it's where we spent five minutes banging a gong. <laughs> oh, yeah. that was on a Troy episode. Yeah, was that her first one? Yes. Yeah, with Mister Mister Holm. Yeah. I, I had great fun recording that podcast. Oh, Haven, <laughs> Haven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or 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 recently, well, recently for our recording schedule in. <laughs> Over the five years, we're nearly finished series three. Um, it wouldn't have been that long ago that we did Captain's Holiday, and just we that was a lot of fun to work our way through. Mainly because when you just replaced uh, all of the stuff about the sort of the statues that they had around with, when you realised, oh, it's a fertility symbol. Well, let's just think about what that actually means. Suddenly, everything became hilarious. Mm. Uh, well, we, I say we had, well, I say uh, me, me and um, Sarah from um, the Trekkie Girls, um, when we were doing season three, she, she comes on every year to do a review with us. We, 
<laughs> we really laid into uh, the price um and because Simon watched it and then he, he mentioned it to me and he said it made me feel really uncomfortable and then I watched it and I just thought oh my god this guy that is hitting on Danny is so creepy yeah within five minutes I'm I'm, I'm stroking your arm and touching your hair and I met you like five minutes ago and Danny just sits there and it's just like really was that the episode with Norman Bates <laughs> uh there was the guy who looked like Norman Bates who was stroking um, who who had like did he have psychic powers as well? Uh, yeah. You've hit the terrible situation that I've hit when we hit the end of a series. You don't remember the episode but you remember the jokes we made about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's the episode with the Ferengi who ends up turning up in Voyager. Yeah, yeah false prophets. Yeah, unison. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, um, but I think one of the other great sort of things that, that Nexting has had a big impact on is, is futuristic technology. So uh, a lot of the kind of stuff in there is actually in real life as well. So, for example, kind, kind of, of kind of. but that since original series, so kind of, Jamie. I, mm. I, I know it's what I kind of sent you, but kind of got to kind of go well one thing i'll say is kind of the holodeck so you know kind of at the moment i said a big thing is kind of animated jamie they have it in animated i've literally watched through i've literally watched through the animated series (laughs) once so i think i can be forgiven for forgetting watch it again will do (laughs) and and there was a holodeck on that episode of enterprise where the the Klingons got the technology in the end. <laughs> and that was set before Next Generation. Yeah, that's true, but it was after, oh, oh I don't want to go down this route. Someone else say something. <laughs> yeah. the, the thing is, actually, in, in terms of its depiction of technology, you wouldn't say that they, they did much particularly different from the original series. You've got the view screen, you've got transporter, you've got phasers, You've got a warp core, and and that is, is pretty much it. They solidify a lot of the stuff that was already established. They they add the science to it. You can buy all the technical manuals and everything now if you're some kind of weirdo, and you can sit and read about warp core and how that technology works, and and you can learn more about isolinear chips or, or what are the things that a tricorder can do. But essentially, they didn't really move that on terribly much the holodeck is the big thing and I, I would say we can we can kind of not not totally but we can dismiss the impact of the animated series and just say these were <laughs> ideas that were knocking around in in these writers heads for for quite it some time as simon just said to me it can kind of work okay <laughs> it, it, it can and and actually when you move on a little bit and and they feel the need to do something different where in Voyager, they're going, oh, we're, we're different from the internet. We've got these biomimetic gel packs. And you think, well, we, we don't <laughs> care. It doesn't matter. Tell the stories. Uh, remember that episode that Remember that episode where the gel packs get sick because of some cheese? Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> the Learning that curve. It's disabled by cheese. Well, what, what were Starfleet designers thinking? I think I said this like, a few weeks ago. What were they seriously thinking? You know what? We're an invented ship. 
where if an enemy boss a ship and brings on cheese, we're done for. Yeah, brilliant. I must be sitting there thinking, right, season one and end of season one villain for Voyager, cheese. Is this some sort of terrible parody of Australia's customs policy? What, what <laughs> God's name is it? No, I think I mean, it was clearly just... I've never watched this, but. <laughs> Just writers short on ideas. But that's the thing <laughs> with with reboots and spin-offs though, that's isn't it? They, they they feel the need to differentiate themselves. And and that's why they said, Oh, Voyager will be small because the Enterprise was big. Oh, it can go places as it can. And that's fine up to a point. But when when you're adding in the stuff that no one really cares about, which is just essentially the frosting, no one's that bothered really about how the Enterprise computers work. No, nobody actually cares if that gets in the starts getting in the way of the story that's the problem voyager can land that's really exciting well it's not really because we can't afford to do that special effect just in the same way that they couldn't really afford to separate the saucer section because that was another let's differentiate this from the original series and ultimately it's not about any of that and it, it's about having the characters and the vehicles to tell new stories and and in some ways that's the problem with a prequel because you restrict yourself because you're walking into established canon and that's very difficult and that's why people are already saying oh i don't like the uniforms they look too much like enterprise not enough like nick like uh, the original series the 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 bridge is too technologically advanced and they sidestepped that with the movie reboots but I can see why people want Star Trek to move forwards because basically you've got a fresh path to walk down there. And and I think Next Generation negotiated that so well. Mm. Whereas I, 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 I worry if you're walking into stuff that you can reference. If you just said, right, 70 years later, and you don't have to advance the technology too much because that just gets annoying. If you see all the, the hollow emitters on the bridge and and all that stuff and all the time ships we don't actually want that kind of thing just rename the torpedoes and then that's mm. all we really need they've already and renamed them in the films they go quantum torpedoes now we can't rename them again yeah you can you can it's fine <laughs> a, a quantum is much better than a photon isn't it we're going to have like a quark <laughs> torpedo next release the franks and that's the thing as well with with a lot of fans want like since since before uh, since Enterprise was being created, it's like people want more after Picard. They want more, they want further in the future. And that was, don't get me, I am really excited for Discovery. Before I was kind of, but it's kind of like I've said this before. You know, doing again another prequest. It's kind of you said retreading old ground a bit. You know, and it's kind of said people want more after Next Gen. You know, because I said Next Gen was that show as as you as we've all said that did create something new and it, it, it you know it, it it was a new kind of star trek it was you know separated itself from the original series yes the others to such an extent did but they did it to a lesser to a lesser degree so i think you know as excited as i am for discovery as you say it's that whole notion of retreading old ground again i think that's where enterprise it was heavily criticized for it but they started in season 1 with a very different kind of relationship between Earth and all of the other planets. And a lot of people hated the way Vulcans were depicted, and actually the way humans were depicted. And yes, it it was because of that that they could guide the show 
to where the original series was uh, rather than just begin, you know, mm. doing the same thing the original series always did. And that's why, you know, e- even though I'm the biggest fan of prequels because, you know, I loved Enterprise so much, but Discovery, it, it's too close. It, it's just they're having to kind of make themselves a secretive little ship in order to fit it into canon. You know, it's kind of Discovery has this secret mission, which I, I believe is what the show is kind of about. And there's these secret ancient Klingons. And you kind of think, well, why? Why are you doing this? If it was an anthology show, it would be great. It would be great to have this one year with this this secretive crew. But, you know, two already? It, it, it seems to me to be pushing it. Don't get me wrong. I am excited to have Star Trek back on television and oh, creating new stories in this in this universe but i'm hesitant to the direction the show has chosen to go in yeah i mean and i you know i think um like i said I, I i actually i think what you're saying about the whole humans frosty that kind of relationship with the vulcans i it, i liked it i thought it was, it was fascinating it was really quite interesting just a different side to vulcans than you would normally you would you've seen previous and i i think it fit quite well I, it was interesting it was a it, it was a dynamic that hadn't been explored before and it was as you say if, if the vulcans had been the same then it's like, well it's nothing new then yeah we these are vulcans but they're the same as what we've seen previously <laughs> And I think you can draw that parallel with the next generation, and and that's very much informed our idea of the Klingons as well, who were the antagonists in the original series, and then all of a sudden you have them here. Uh, you've got a Klingon on the bridge, and you've got a very different relationship between what you'd had before, and it's a different way to frame it, and it's a different way to learn about another culture. They're not just in many ways what what they were was a russian cipher which goes right up to star trek 6 which you could argue is is very much influenced by the next generation in some ways and that relationship with the klingons it it takes it to to that place Mm. but here in the next generation you've got the familiar aliens but you have completely reframed them you're showing them in a different light you're learning to sympathize with them and they're not quite like humanity they're very different that that season two episode with Riker on board the Klingon ship is is great because that's really interesting because Mm, you actually get to learn about the the Klingon hierarchy and it's not just this simplistic or are they good guys or are they bad guys and and you get a lot more of that in Deep Space Nine a a lot of that nuance A, a lot of the TNG stuff is obviously is is framed through Worf and and that's fine mm. uh, as far as it goes. But I think it's a very good example of taking what you've got uh, and having the opportunity to to do something very different with it. Yeah, and what I quite like, I said, what you're saying about a matter of honour, it's, it's, you know, that kind of comparison between Riker and the Klingons, or humans and the Klingons, but there also, there's also that really nice relatability. Um, just on a simplistic level, you know, that, um, the Klingons, they talk about they have a fam, they 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 they've, you know, family is very important to them. Well, for humans, that's the same as well. And even though it's on a very basic level, it really works nicely. Whereas before with original series, it was kind of, you know, um, like I said, you know, humans good, oh, Klingons, oh, they're bad. But as you say, next gen, as you said, use that familiarity, but they've twisted it and they've reworked it. So really in, in a very clever way. 
So you know, it's just it's just it said it said next gen just it said doing this episode, with you guys. It, I've, I've, it said it, next gen. Give I'll give it even more credit than I did previously. I must admit. I think next generation also deserves a hell of a lot of credit because we look at modern television and you know I I, I really hate the way you know I, have, I was speaking to some people in work about television and a lot of people and you know people who work for. The, the guardian and, and places like that you, you always hear about how oh television is finally becoming like films and i think i'll oh, oh, spare me this rubbish pretentious idiocy you know we get it so much from tv critics who attack old television and i really hate it because you know we do have some genuinely good television these days you know obviously you know looking front of me breaking bad and just finished twin peaks the return which was absolutely phenomenal but you look at the quality of, of next generation and deep space nine and, and voyager and enterprise and they were making 26 episodes a season on tv shows these days they make you know 13 to 16 sometimes up to 22 but they were making 26 episodes of a sci-fi tv show which is much harder to make than your general drama mm. and uh, they were keeping the quality so high i mean yeah and you even think of even the original series where the first season was what 29 30 episodes you know i think that's just staggering absolutely staggering you know and it's I think the thing about the next generation is as well that is all episodic and it's no longer vogue to be episodic and all the writers of Discovery are saying oh we're the first serialised or the first fully serialised Star Trek show as if that makes it better somehow whereas I think there's such an art form to making episodic shows. 45 minutes telling a complete story in a satisfying way often mm. using guest stars but it, it's it's a tricky art whereas today people will say oh it's just it's a one-off it's it's a filler episode and and you think well what are you watching television for what what does that mean television is filler it's filler for your brain all of it and to suggest that any one story doesn't necessarily have meaning because it can be told in a short space of time, these little morality plays, as Gene Roddenberry often liked to call them, is is utter nonsense because you you can pick out the 10 best episodes of The Next Generation, the 10 best standalones, and you have some absolutely wonderful television doing what television does best and and is designed to do and it's so engaging and i i think the fact that we've moved away from episodic in some ways is a bit sad i think it's actually easier to tell a long-form story to to draw stuff out there are obviously challenges in both but but to do that consistently over 26 weeks and i'm not saying every episode is great there are some episodes that are clearly far better than the others mm. but episodic television itself is an absolutely astounding art form and this isn't just a procedural show they can go anywhere they can land on planets they can do the holodeck episodes you can explore somebody's past you can travel through time so there's so much scope to tell different stories uh, and i think very few shows that are episodic actually do that you you have procedurals you have your csis and law and orders which mm. all tell the stories but here you have in the 80s and early 90s being really ambitious in its storytelling 
and being episodic. And and I think that is something really special. That is an, it's an outstanding achievement. I mean, as you were just meant, talking about it, I was just thinking in my head certain episodes of Next Gen. Like, I don't know, say like The Inner Light, for example, even even Lessons. I mean, that's one of my most favourite episodes. I absolutely love it. And I think for 45 minutes, it astounds me how much they include because it's not only kind of the messages you want to give out, it's also you, you know, creating characters like guest stars and making you care about them in the space of, what, 40, 45 minutes. And you've got to come up with, a, as I said, an introduction, a kind of a, a situation and a solution. It's, it's absolutely astounding how Next Gen in particular has done that so well. And in that short space of time, as you say, it, it, it is, it, it's, it's staggering. You know, it really is. I mean, I, I, I might be entirely wrong in making this statement, but it's probably the last time that Star Trek as a series did that properly as well. Because after that point, everything will have some kind of continuing plot strand to sort of drive things forward to, to a, a smaller or larger degree. I realise, but well, it, I think I think they they kind of realised with with Deep Space Nine, they realised they had to apply their own path. They they at first they were doing very similar storytelling to Next Generation, mm, just with different characters. Yeah. And, and the first two seasons are very good of Deep Space Nine. So get me wrong, I'm not one to slag those two seasons off when other people are. Um, but it's when they realised they needed to be something different that you know they they started doing a, a more serialised approach, even though they it was still episodic within a, a framework. And then Voyager came along and filled the gap once Next Generation had ended of this episodic television. And it, even within that, they they did have a kind of continuing story which they they dropped about the McKee integrating with Starfleet um, because they they couldn't be bothered. <laughs> But it, it is interesting, and I'm, I'm not drawing a, a through line from from that fact to this. But um, just that, if you were to to look at what influences uh, culture, not necessarily in in terms of physical things. So what you were saying before about technology, but but I suppose in a way maybe how technology is depicted in in media, in television programs, and the like. Um, it is purely. Uh, the original series and the next generation that that has that impact on on depictions in sci-fi and it it doesn't really occur with any of the series after the next generation and i mean the 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 next generation's impact uh is continued to be felt i mean obviously we have an upcoming comedy spoof series with the orville that is very clearly based on the next generation and from from what we do on our, our sister podcast, the Red Dwarf podcast, the last series of Red Dwarf had an episode that was a straight-up parody of First Contact. Uh, the series before that had a, a straight-up parody of Star Trek as well. So, and, and specifically of The Next Generation. It, it's interesting that that is the last big cultural touchstone for the series until maybe you could argue... The, the rebooted films, but I don't feel they've had the, the same kind of, of impact. Now, maybe that's also partly the, the cultural zeitgeist of the 90s and a certain collection of television shows. So you have The Next Generation, you have other shows like Twin Peaks, you have um, The X-Files, all things setting up a, a sort of new television landscape of, of a way of approaching television that perhaps wasn't being done previously. But, 
but yeah, I, I would I would argue it's the last time that it has that big cultural impact that that people would recognise the actors or the characters. You know, just the general public would know in a way that they wouldn't know with Janeway. I, I would say also that it was the last time that Star Trek or a lot of television, in fact, was bright and optimistic because Deep Space Nine goes to a very dark place in particular. And Voyager always has that we're trying to be edgy kind of vibe about it. They have much darker sets and, it, you know, you've got that that undertone of conflict which never really comes to the surface in any sort of meaningful way. But even in terms of the lighting, and I think we, we've said as well that we think it's terrible, but I think it was the last time when Star Trek was in some ways pure pure in that Rodenbury-esque vision of, of that optimistic future where mankind has put its problems behind him. And you can argue whether that works for drama or not. From the evidence of the show, it absolutely does. From the evidence of the show when Roddenberry was in charge, it very possibly doesn't. But <laughs> that that's, that's, I think, the last time when we had a, a clean version of Star Trek. And I think the 2009 does have that optimistic thing not into darkness because obviously that's all kinds of just weird messy remake nonsense but i think here you have perhaps the purest vision of a near utopian future with mankind striving to be more rather than a lot of infighting which i think perhaps came in later and and i would say that if you look at discovery if you just look at the trailers it looks a lot closer in tone to something like Battlestar Galactica than it does to the next generation. And I'm not sure if that's Star Trek, because I think Star Trek is a bit goofy in some ways, that goofy optimist that you wouldn't necessarily want to spend too much time with. But just it just has that certain something that gives you a sense of hope for the future. And, and I think that's something we could all use right now. Yes, well, actually... actually Sorry, go on. No, sorry, go for it. Go for it. Well, I was just going to support what you were saying, Andrew. That yeah, this would seem, with you know, the, the current state of the world, and you look at the general political leanings of the writers, and indeed the audience. You would say largely left leaning, as as you would expect. You would expect that this would be the perfect time for Star Trek to capitalise on that. Uh, in the same way that you could argue, well, it, it, it's a bit of a cliche to argue it, but the the way that you'll always see very lazy journalists writing about how Star Wars came along in 1977 and uh, lots of dire, unoptimistic sci-fi films, and then this one thing that was different changed the landscape, which of course is a gross simplification and is just plainly untrue. But um, it should be a good time to go and do that. And it doesn't seem to be the direction they're going. But the next generation would be, or something in that mould, is the perfect antidote, really. The thing is that the original series always did comedy so well. And it always you know, brightened the show up to have these occasional comedy episodes. And Next Generation, to a slightly lesser extent, did comedy episodes quite well. And Deep Space Nine did them very well. I personally thought, even though some people find a couple of them offensive. Um, 
and you know Voyager did one amazing comedy episode probably the funniest episode of Star Trek and I think right now you know looking at Discovery there doesn't seem to be any potential for comedy I don't think I'll watch any of those episodes and laugh whereas I'm looking at the Orville and even though you know I'm I'm not the biggest fan of Family Guy I'm thinking I'm gonna get a laugh and it's gonna be basically Star Trek and that's kind of what I need right now you know I think the, the way the world is we want an optimistic and occasionally funny the sci-fi show yeah, which, which of course is why we we like Red Dwarf as well it's while it's not necessarily optimistic it's always very funny yeah, and I think that's what Next Ten captures so well as you say it's that optimism it's that pure Roddenberry Trek I mean I love Deep Space Nine because it is for me it's more it's more of a gritty darker trek but as simon has said to me it's not pure roddenberry trek and i think that kind of optimism you do need and, we, and we're no, avoid- but to, to an, i think a lot of the minds behind deep space now were massive original series fans that you know iris Stephen bear he he kind of i think he's kind of distanced himself from next generation to an extent because he sees the original series as the definitive and I think a lot of people involved with Deep Space Nine kind of, I wouldn't say disliked Next Generation, but kind of wanted to kind of make their own thing and be inspired by the original series in a different way. And certainly the comedy at Deep Space Nine, it's it's similar to the original series. They yeah. they do capture that very well. Particularly the Ferengi episodes, in particular, they were they did do some great comedy in Deep Space Nine. Particularly the Ferengi episodes, I must admit, and, they, and that's the thing as well. They also it was funny, but they still told a really good story with a good message in there. But you know, I think the big thing about say going on to Voyager was, I think they wanted to kind of meld the two. They wanted to kind of I said they wanted to be Deep Space Nine and Next Gen, and wanted to do a mixture. But as you say, with the whole marquee thing, it just the whole conflict thing. I just said they. Dropped. I, I that, guess that's oh, it. That's all I want to say. I'm just, I'm just rambling now, so I can carry on. I, I, I guess that the three of us, as as pretty hardcore Red Dwarf fans as well, also feel that we've been on the reverse side of this because we've had a comedy show that always had an aspect of drama to it that reached a point when that balance shifted and the drama greatly increased and. You, you could perhaps argue uh, to the detriment of the comedy. Um, we've now reached a point where that's that's turned back around again. So it, it kind of feels like we're we're halfway through that journey again, but in reverse with with Star Trek. Mm. I think there's a longing to go back to nineties telly. I think there's a certain thing where we just wanted to go back to that kind of pure Trek. And just nice, like, nice well, dark television there. It, it's it's in the zeitgeist. I mean, you know, I've, for the last two years, I've been joking, uh, saying, "What was I doing in in 1997? I was going to the cinema to watch Star Wars. I was watching Robot Wars and Red Dwarf on telly. What am I doing in 2017? I'm going to the cinema to watch Star Wars. I'm watching Red Dwarf and Robot Wars on telly." It, everything's come around again and you know that's the cycle that things work in um yeah and of course you've you've got doctor who as well on on that mainstream as well and and they're making another stargate series online as well so it's it's 
all that is old becomes new again. Yeah, I mean, interestingly enough, as we've all kind of been talking about next year, I've actually got a, a real desire to kind of watch episodic television because I quite like like multi-story arcs and all that sort of stuff. But I've actually got a quite a nostalgia now to go back to watching more episodic television, particularly next year, I think. <laughs> well, I've actually found it recently. I've, I've watched all of the X-Files in the last few months. And a lot of people really loved the ongoing story arc about you know alien invasions and all that stuff and i couldn't wait for those alien invasion episodes to end and we could get back to the monster of the week mm. and and there are people who don't like the monster of the week episodes of the x-files when I, it's the bread and butter of the show mm. I, I am glad that they've said with x-files they're going to mostly monster of the week in the, their new season which I think maybe maybe that's an indication that the tables might be turning. I think there's an argument as well that the public never really know what they want. Um, and to, to use an example, we've said several times, the recent series of Twin Peaks would very much seem to, to go with that, um, in that everyone thought they wanted a, an exact copy of what they had in the 90s, and when they were presented with something different, everyone got, got in a, a hissy fit over it. Um, and I, I think that probably applies to some degree to Star Trek as well. People think they have an idea of exactly what they want, but when they're presented with it, it's perhaps not quite right. Uh, we we see it with Red Dwarf all the time. Uh, we we get messages and and tweets and just people approaching us with some frankly terrible ideas. Some just really god-awful ideas uh i i guess some of it is sort of born out of the other side of that nostalgia debate you know i'd like to see this thing return great well let's do some more of that yes and let me have that exact character who'd fulfill everything that they were doing and there's there's really no other ground to get out of them but bring them back again and we'll have some more with them please yeah it's, it's funny you mentioned that. i just had this um thing in my head of <laughs> Um, like Eventerprise, there was fans were sending in ideas, and there were these ridiculous ideas about Porphos start saving the day and things like that, and having a Porphos episode. And I just think, I just sit there and think, oh dear God. Well, that, that first episode of Enterprise sort of very much feels like a, a group of people who've uh, sort of come on and gone, hey, we liked that Star Trek before, that was great, so we're going to do that, we're going to make it with flashier cameras, and hey, look, some breasts. Um, yeah. They were really good breasts, to be fair. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, yeah. Just like on a Voyager. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, is there any um, anything else you think that, that we want to talk about in terms of that? That how next gen impacted kind of has impacted popular culture. I, I mean, I suppose you can talk about Star Trek as a progressive agenda in, in some ways, and the. Again, the thing with the original series is that it that always says, oh, you the first interracial kiss. And you had the people working together. You had Russians on the bridge and you had a Japanese guy on the bridge and you had a black woman answering the phone on the bridge. So you, you've, you've got people who in that period of time wouldn't necessarily have been in positions of authority all working together showing that Earth is all united. Now, I don't think you quite get this as much in the next generation 
within the, the individual elements of the crew, I, I would say, you know, you've got the the old white guy that's in charge, and and you your your main female role model. Now, you did have the head of security yeah. was a woman, and and that's interesting but didn't really work out terribly well. You've got the doctor who's a woman and you could say that's a traditional female nurturing role. And certainly you can say that of the counselor, the woman who understands everything. So I would say they didn't necessarily manage to quite nail a progressive agenda in terms of the cast. I don't think they brought particularly any interesting boundaries in that way. I think with with the women, I do agree with you. I think with 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 the with the male characters, they did to an extent. I mean, if you think about it, like cases like Picard and kind of Wolf, they all became they all showed more of a nurturing side to them. Kind of, they all became kind of parents. So Picard was a kind of father figure to Wesley, and Wolf obviously had Alexander. So with, with the women, not so much. But I think with the men, they did actually from from the original series to kind of next they did kind of challenge that kind of those typical gender roles that you know sort of characteristics that you associate with gender i think i think some of that is is actually probably a byproduct of of playing up the 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 navy in space aspect and and it can be argued that in next generation they they take that concept that's loosely there and they they much further push forward with it than the original series ever did i mean well I mean, the, the parallels at the start of Generations are, are obviously pretty obvious. Um, but in that sort of master and commander sort of uh, setup, you would generally have um, an all-male crew um, because that's that's what those stories are from the, the history they're based on. Um, and so that's that's sort of the natural setup. So... I think what you're kind of really seeing is is just that, but with other people planted into it. Mm. I think they, they tried to do something. We had Tasha Yar, who was you know uh, not your standard female character on television at, at, at that point, but they just kind of messed up the character and ended up having to write her out because uh, Denise Crosby didn't want to do it anymore. Helene frequencies. <laughs> So, so it, it was unfortunate, but they, they, you know, they did try to do something. Thankfully, Deep Space Nine came along, and and Voyager too, and they they have much better roles for women. And mm. you know, it, it's strange now that you know we we have had Discovery announced, and it's got you know, uh, I mean, I don't like the idea that that they've announced a, a lower ranking crew member as the lead. You know, maybe I'm just a slave to convention that I, I always think of the captain as the lead and rarely the entire crew doesn't, you know, the, the captain stands out a little bit, but the, the whole crew are the, the everybody's kind of equal really. But, you know, they've said that the female character is, is the main character. She's a, a lieutenant, I believe. Um, or is she, she the, um, the first officer? in discovery i i think it's going to vary and i'd be willing to bet that the the that she will be captain by the end of the show i think it's perhaps got that superhero origin story thing about it that smallville aspect it's the journey towards the captain's chair is yeah and, and the response to to it being announced that you know it, it it was a black woman being the the commander it, it was a bit disappointing to see some people you know 
saying that there's some sort of agenda. And and yet, you, you know, you think, well, if Voyager was announced today, would they say that's some sort of agenda? If Deep Space Nine was announced today, would they say, you know, Kira Norris is, is a, an agenda? It, it, but, it, it's but ridiculous, I, I really. I don't they, understand. Do people watch Star Trek? <laughs> yeah, do these people like Star Trek? Do they understand Star Trek? And but then again, I, look at the Ferrari recently over over Doctor Who, where you could make exactly the same argument. Have, have any of you watched the show in the last? Oh, God, it's like, how so, how are you not prepared for this to be a concept that's a risk? Well, yeah, and it's like well, if a Doctor can regenerate into into another into another person, then surely that means he can also change gender as well. Well, it's just, it, it, it brought out a lot of people from the woodwork who clearly didn't watch the show but wanted to make out that they did and had absolutely no idea that it was an idea that had been posited since 1981. Mm. And they very quickly showed themselves up, but unfortunately these people are the ones who, who bang the drums the loudest. And it, it's it's been a similar case with Discovery. And yeah, it, it is a project because these people are the minority, but they make all hardcore fans look horrible. You know, and, and we do get this on First Contact. Uh, we've been described as a feminist <laughs> liberal podcast, I believe, in an iTunes review. Was, was it tediously politically correct? Or? Some, something along those lines, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and, I mean, that's know, the we, review we I'm we proudest of. <laughs> we, we don't, we're not pushing any agenda. We're just taking the mick out of old Star Trek episodes. <laughs> <laughs> The the th- the thing is, uh, as well, Star Trek. Just just to go slightly back to a point I already didn't make very well. St- Star Trek very much is fighting two sides of its nature, and perhaps Roddenberry's nature in that Star Trek has sexism problems. There's no getting away from that. The original series is a creepy, slightly pervy show in some ways. That oh, here's the female guest star who's not wearing any clothes. So. You, you could say it certainly progressed in that way, but you, you have that running through. You've got the cat suits running all the way from TNG right into to Enterprise, perhaps with Deep Space Nine getting to, to take out um, a, a seat from that particular party. But there's there, there always has been a bit of a problem, and, I, I'm, and everything is a product of its time. And and there's no getting away from that. But you would say it was it was perhaps bold to have a counselor on the bridge in the eighties. That's uh, people getting in touch with their feelings, and and that's something that's quite interesting. And and now uh, we've got a new show, and yeah, of course you you'll have gay characters. It sort of goes without saying that you have that, and of course you have. You, people of different races and, and different aliens and, and positions of authority. And I, I don't think we should even question that. Star Trek is at heart progressive. And I think we can look back and say maybe it wasn't. But I think there was certainly some interesting stuff in, in individual episodes, even if they weren't able to embody it. And I don't think they were actually able to embody much in in the in a lot of the regular characters because they were what they were. But I would say if it doesn't on the surface appear progressive, I could probably pick out, you know, 10 episodes which show you that it really is. And we'll just ignore Code of Honor. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there was... They they fought very hard to kind of have not a gay character, but but just like any sort of storyline around it. And it's 
it's i think in the uk we're, we're quite blessed in terms of it, it's not as tough a fight as there is in america to tell storylines about gay characters you know you, you look at the there was the the really really brilliant film with jim carrey um i love you philip morris and that bombed in america because it's about uh, jim carrey plays a gay man and it, you had Deep Space Nine. It had an episode which wasn't even wasn't really um, a gay character. It was Dax when she was a man was in a relationship with with another woman, and then she's now because she's a symbiont, she's become a woman, and she's still in love with this this woman. And you, you know, they they had to really twist themselves around in order to tell a storyline which vaguely makes a character, you know, gay or, or bisexual, really. And, you know, then in Enterprise, they, they even struggled there where in order to do a storyline about AIDS, they had to make it an allegory where it's actually um, Vulcan AIDS because of a, a faulty mind meld. <laughs> Oh, sorry, just that term is very funny. <laughs> but, but, I'm sorry, you have Vulcan aims. But I, I guess it's you, you have that sci-fi arena to tell any story you want. And just talking about Sarek, you, you do a really bold story about Alzheimer's. And 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 that that's very interesting. And, and they were able to tell lots of interesting, very big allegorical stories and maybe it was perceived in the 80s that you, you didn't really need that progressive agenda because it, it seems like the, the landscape was moving in the right direction and now I would say we're, we've probably reached a period where I, I, I would say the consensus has has not been further apart in a long time. Extremes are starting to emerge certainly and I think perhaps that that's when you need that progressive agenda. Now, I'm not saying the 80s was progressive in any way, but I think there was a certain perception within the sort of media culture that that everyone was was very right on, and we'd almost arrived at a certain place. and And the next generation was just showing that people living in that place where humanity has arrived, and hey, everything seems to be okay. Well, it, it was the years of Reagan and Thatcher, so you know. It, Star Trek was, you know, <laughs> far more liberal, and television in general was in the 80s. You know, it was progressive compared with the politics of the time. I think, you know, when we look back on it now, and we look back on the original series, and we go, oh, bloody hell. You know, we look at an episode of the original series, like Turn About It, and we go, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Kirk pretending to be a crazy woman because um, women can't become captains. That's, uh, that's you know, it, it's dodgy, but at the time it was just fun silliness and really was, to an extent, was, was kind of trying to highlight an imbalance in society, which, which was wrong, um, even though it doesn't doesn't succeed in any way whatsoever. Um, <laughs> Though, of course, it's it's not it's not exclusive to just Star Trek. I mean, that is the television landscape of the time. I mean, by the mid '80s, you certainly wouldn't have a show in terms of comedy shows. You wouldn't have a show like Curry and Chips made with uh, Spike Milligan blacking up. <sighs> that was 
Mm. Yeah, but but actually, if if you look at the if you want to talk about how how influential it is, go and look at the shows that premiered in nineteen eighty seven. Look down that list to to round it off, and you'll you'll find a lot of shows that you don't recognise. There are some names in there that you'll go, oh okay, I recognise that. Something like Twenty One Jump Street, which also started it in that year but that's only because it's been revived by people who want to kind of take the piss out of the idea a little bit that there's nothing that has survived and is played in the same way today like star trek the next generation and i think that that just shows the power of it it's something that has survived it has gone beyond just pop culture it's gone beyond fan culture you you recognize that logo you recognize that theme tune you recognize the ship and you recognize the characters even 30 years on that has survived in the general consensus that the great hive mind of pop culture. And I think that that's the ultimate tribute. These actors will remain forever young. They will forever loop and new generations through streaming or syndication or however television is distributed will get to discover these continuing stories of the enterprise. indeed it would Star Trek's charm I think endless way of timelessly having a opinion on topics of the day and I think what we're saying is Next Gen did it perfectly for the time period it was on for I think yeah way of closing it up yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, I, I, I think what he's saying is, if you want to know what the legacy of the show really is, you're looking at the likes of your Stargate, your Babylon Five, your well, I mean, even the return of Doctor Who to some extent, and uh, certainly the continuation of Red Dwarf. It's, it's in those sort of TV shows that it, it, it helped to forge a, a landscape in television that meant that those sort of properties could continue when and come about in a way that perhaps they wouldn't have done otherwise yeah and you know i think it's i said next and has had had that has had so much impact and it's as said it's made me it's made me realize it's had a lot more impact on myself than i currently remember so it's been quite a revelation actually well, I still only like the racist episodes. They, they, are, they, are, the, they are the best episodes. I, I hope Discovery does loads of racist episodes. They were they were the best ones. A few sexist episodes too. They they were pretty good. You know, season one and two, Next Generation style episodes. I'd like a lot of them. So you like Angel? You like Angel One then as well? A- Angel One and Code of Honor. That that's the template that I think. If I were yeah. doing a Star Trek show, I I would set that. And as I said. Start Irish people up the long ladder. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Start from nowhere. Start from the top. Work your way down. Well, as as we discovered in our podcast, apparently Maurice Hurley was a major Irishman. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, as I said, it's been absolutely wonderful having you guys on. Um, You know, thank you for taking time out to come on our come on our podcast um 
I said, I think doing the kind of impact of next gen, I think it was a very good topic idea, whoever came up with that. So, you, Simon. Okay. It's always <laughs> I wasn't too, it's all, <laughs> I wasn't too sure if you go, go, you guys have come up with it together or if it was you. I didn't want to, I didn't want to just assume and shoot myself in the foot. So, <laughs> so, um, I, say, I knew they did next gen as a kind of on first contact. I thought, who's the best person to get on for this? And because I wanted on for ages, well, there you go. Work yeah. So, um, would you like to say where uh, everyone can find you guys? Well, visit our website, thespoilers.com, and you can also find the podcast First Contact on iTunes, on Stitcher Radio, or you can just subscribe on Android as well, wherever you like. But visit thespoilers.com and click the podcast button in the top right hand menu. And there's also our sister site, which is gazpacho-soup.com, which is where all of our Red Dwarf stuff is. Uh, there's a new series of that starting in October. So we're sort of wrapping up our first contact activities for a little while so we can go full on into uh, covering Red Dwarf. Uh, um, we have a podcast running there where we'll be covering that. And it's much the same show. It's it, it's the same amount of knob gags, but hung over <laughs> a loose theme of Red Dwarf rather than first contact <laughs> and, and and that's called the garbage podcast if you want to listen and subscribe and maybe leave a review on itunes you know not many people leave a review on itunes it'd be nice if you could re- leave a review on itunes <laughs> <laughs> yes it's called the garbage podcast because we're terrible at search engine optimization <laughs> but like we're quite good at puns <laughs> i'd also like to add that on top of everywhere that they've said you can find them, they're also on our Follow Friday list and Facebook like Friday list. So just go there and it'll go straight to their Facebook or Twitter account page things. <laughs> yeah. But there's that way as well. So easier way, it's all done for you. Just go there and I'm sure if Joan could be bothered, there might be some in the blurb, but there'll be something on our... Yeah, I'll I'll blurb. make sure to include some uh, links to your guys' website in the in the blurb as well. So, so there, oh, there'll be some ways where we'll make it easy, uh, I think. So plenty of ways and more than we know of and we'll probably forget. Why won't we? I think Joe might. Thank you, Sorry. Even though he's editing it, but never mind. Yes. That's kind of a topic. <laughs> and I'll sit there looking at the blurb going, huh? Is that it? Anyhow. Yeah, on that note. <laughs> um, yeah, so we hope you guys have enjoyed listening to our latest episode. Um, and yeah, we'll be back. I think, uh, what's our next one, Sorry, I think it. You should know what it is. It's kind of blatantly obvious. I know, I'm only teasing, yeah. <laughs> I, just wanted to, I just wanted to look at your face over Skype. Our next episode will be our episode commentary of The Pilot of Discovery. Six way to reaction from the background, kind of going, why are they doing that? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we just uh, thank you again for coming on, guys. We really do appreciate you taking the time out to come on. Um, and yes, we'll definitely have to do this again soon. Yeah. Go and check those uh, guys out because you won't regret it. I really have well, to they, think they might. That... They might regret it. They might regret it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they listen to I, us, I don't want to get anyone's hopes up. <laughs> if they listen to us, they'd be quite at home on your podcast. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough.
<laughs> I, I really had to think there when you said the pilot of Discovery because I start to think, wait, is that is that the name of a Deep Space Nine episode? Or the, uh, it took me a while to realize that you meant that the first episode of Discovery. I should have said the first episode. That's what I should have said. <laughs> oh no, no, no! You, you you were not wrong. It's just I was very slow. That's all right. <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> So, um, how do you want to sign off then, Si? However you like, Jamie. I don't know. Okay, well, as usual, I've been Jamie. I've been Simon. And this has been the Spoiler Guys, James, Alex and Andrew. So, thanks again, guys, and uh, we'll be back soon. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> that, that that actually threw us because we have a very set order when we're doing our podcast. Saying goodbye, and I think all of us just paused, then thinking, "Are we, we going to follow the same order?" <laughs> yeah, we, we have the similar thing where it's like if we forget to mention it before we do the episode, we sit there going, "Am I doing it? Are you doing it?" Like, so we have the same problem where it's like. We kind of forgot that, didn't we? And we kind of have to sit there, improvise at the end, and kind of sit there randomly going, um, like, yeah, sit up. So, yeah, we've done that as well. We sit there going, I don't know what I'm doing. It's, just, it's, just... it's part and parcel of doing podcasts, and is it improvisation, winging it? Part of the fun. And of course, we're, now that we're at the end of the podcast, what we usually do at the end of ours is we'll add something funny to the end. So, so we should, we should probably think of something funny to just tag on to the end. <laughs> Big balls. I, I don't. I still say the best one of those that we ever did was when there was nothing to use. So I just took the previous half an hour of what Andrew had been saying and edited it into a sentence, <laughs> where he uh, said that you do need long lingering Andrew in the shop, the leisure centre. And uh, were he making a calendar, he'd have Andrew as December. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm wondering whether to actually now include this part or whether to include this as bloopers. I'm not, not, I'm not quite sure now. <laughs> you need to, you need to end it on a laugh. That's that's the rule of comedy. Leave them. All laughing. right. So our first official goodbye, guys, was just a, a good, that was that was an unofficial goodbye then. I have no idea what's going on now. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna think that this is still, we're still running, and then, uh, so yeah, this will still be included. And in... I've no idea what I'm talking about now. I'm just gonna stop talking. No, we've got to say goodbye again now because yeah. you know you've got, to, you've got to stick to your format. Yeah. So, so goodbye. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Goodbye. <laughs>